Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested. Good morning and welcome to another Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Mike Miller, your host for today. Today we're going to continue our discussion about Medicare and Social Security, especially Social Security. Last week we kicked it off with a discussion of Medicare, all the basics of Medicare and some of the techniques you would use to help reduce potential future premiums and how they calculate that and so forth. If you missed the show last week, you can go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com, TalkingMoneyRadio.com, and there you can pull up the radio show, click on the radio show icon there, and that will take you to the page that has all the radio shows, and this will be right top. If you have something else you'd like to learn about, you can continue to peruse and listen to your heart's content while you're while you're on that page. And if you want to ask a question, that's the same place to ask a question. You'll see where it says Ask a Question, so you can just click on that and submit a question that you would like to ask at that same time. Uh, before we get into the discussion of Social Security, I would like to make an appeal to you, just giving you an update explanation of Miracle Hill, the services that are provided to the upstate and various places of the upstate, not just Greenville. There are facilities in other areas, Spartanburg and um, Cherokee counties, a lot of different places that we have that Miracle has facilities. I am on the board, so that's my disclosure statement. Uh, but And people need to remember the the needs that an organization like this has. It doesn't get government funding. It does get some uh, minor government funding as it relates to the foster care system. But all the other housing, the whether it's the shelter for um, abused women, children, for the the overcomers, the renewals, the all the other facilities that we have, they're all done, all paid for by people like us giving money, giving money regularly, giving money once every now and then. And, and this time, a lot of contributions have dropped off, not just for Miracle Hill, but a lot of them because people just aren't thinking about it. I think even churches are probably having a difficult time because if they're not there, they're not throwing their 20 bucks in or whatever it is they throw in and not thinking about going online to help pay for those organizations. Uh, but I really appeal to you to go to MiracleHill.org, I think forward slash donate, but you certainly go to MiracleHill.org and go to the donate section. And please make a contribution. Ten bucks, uh, fifty bucks, hundred bucks. Those of you who can, please give five thousand, ten thousand. It's it's a very important cause, and we don't want to get to the point where we have to start turning people away, or to have to lay off staff who take care of these people. Is not a good situation. So if you really want to make a contribution to the Upstate and do something outside and beyond yourself, this is an excellent way to do that. Go to MiracleHill.org and make a donation. Please do it today because the, the money is needed desperately to help uh, maintain the level of service that we want to maintain. I don't want to borrow money to, to help keep the doors open. We do what we have to do, but, but there's only so much of that you can do. So it's something that we need support from all of them. Tell your friends. Tell other people. And there's other organizations. Maybe there's organizations that you support that you haven't thought about. Check into it. Maybe support those organizations as well. But I certainly I make an appeal to you to, for uh, Miracle Hill 
and all the different facilities and services that Miracle Hill provides and has been doing it in the upstate. Largest one in the upstate, largest one in the state probably. So people, I think, assume sometimes, oh, they got plenty of money. No, because of the largest, they have the biggest need. So go to Miracle Hill and see if you can help out in, in whatever amount you can, but the larger, of course, the better. So let's get back to our discussion and welcome Eddie Holland back to the microphone today. Welcome once again, Eddie. Good morning, Mike. Good to be back. It's getting to be a habit. Yes, it is. A good habit. That's right. So Eddie's a CPA and certified financial planner, and we've worked together for many, many years. And and, and Eddie has um, become known in our office and even in other areas as a Medicare Social Security expert, teaches all the Social Security um, sessions at the Michelin pre-retirement workshops, has done that for three years. Uh, this, this is yeah, your fourth this year? The fourth year. This correct. is the fourth year coming up. So so we, we, um, we, we trust what he says about Social Security, and you should as well. Um, we had a question from a listener, and the, the basic question he had was, I think he was 65 or so. His wife was 60, a couple years younger, maybe 62, 63. And he was, he was asking you, we were both in the, in the meeting together, and he said, uh, okay, so Eddie, you'll have to convince me why I shouldn't go ahead and just take my social security right now. There's a lot of, a lot of, um, um, people out there and organizations that say they will give you that social security, uh, analysis and show you how to do that. So what's your, what's your basic answer for, uh, Randy? And that was a, that was a great question. Uh, Mike, it was a pleasure to uh, to meet with these people, and I, th- I thought it was a really good, well articulated question. And we have his permission, by the way. So yes, you know. <laughs> yes, yeah. We we we, uh, we granted he granted us permission to do that, but I thought it was really well articulated the way that he stated uh, his question. Mm-hmm. And the response is multifaceted. There's quite a bit to consider, and we walked through in probably a 20 minute conversation. Uh, some of the factors that he should consider. Right. But I shared with him my biggest complaint with some of these free Social Security analysis tools and some of the people that actually promise to provide free uh, analysis. Most of the time, we know that anytime there's a free analysis that's going to be conducted, it's probably going, probably going to be worth what you pay for it. Or they should put quotes on the free because there's something else going on. <laughs> yeah, so most of the time it's an incentive to try to get a person into the office so that the product could be sold or something can be tried to to convince a person to uh, sign up for a service. So normally it's not it, – it doesn't come free. It's kind of like one of those those uh, situations mm-hmm. where they bring you in and try to t- sell you a timeshare by enticing you with something free. That's essentially what the Social Security analysis is, and that's, that in and of itself – um, is, is troubling, but I think the thing that troubles me even more is what the Social Security analysis does. It actually looks at a scenario, but it runs this analysis in a vacuum. So it takes the scenario and it says, okay, right. if you start drawing Social Security at X date, whatever that age may be, 62, 64, for retirement age, age 70, it ignores the fact that if you delay your Social Security benefit, and you're, you have not, uh, you have not, um, that you, you don't have any income coming in. You've retired. Where are you getting your money from? So I could delay Social Security until I'm age 70. But if I retire at 62 or at 63 or at 64, what am I going to do for living expenses, for cash flow from age 62 or 63, 64 to age 70? Right. And the analysis doesn't factor that in. It simply says, okay, what is the break even? of Social Security if you start drawing it now versus drawing it later. 
It does not factor in the multitude of components that have to be considered in order to try to figure out what the best situation is for a client or a person. And here's the reality. What this analysis does is it maximizes their social security benefit, but it may not maximize their net wealth. And my concern, our concern, is net wealth maximization, not just social security maximization. So when Randy asked that question about, you know, convince me why I shouldn't go ahead and take it now, I mean, it's a really good question because you can say, all right, if you take the benefit now, that's fine. You don't have to use as many of your assets to live off of if you delay it, depending on how you might invest. And other factors would determine whether or not it really was worth delaying. If somebody is is super conservative, that would make a, a difference in that the decision, right? Yes, absolutely. There's a, there's a multitude of factors, and I know we're coming up on a break here in a couple of couple of minutes. There's a multitude of factors to consider, and we actually have quite a few factors that we'll talk through. But that's exactly right, Mike. It, it has to be a holistic approach. It can't be a micro focused approach on one section, which is just social security maximization. And I get it. I understand people have paid into the system. They want to maximize their benefit, and some people want to take that as quickly as possible. But there's other factors that need to be considered before you just blindly plow ahead with a Social Security strategy. Yeah, the reality is with those free programs, they've got to be simple. They can't take into a lot of consideration a lot of different factors because they don't have time to do that because that's the reason it's free is really to get you in the door, give you some ideas. Of course, it's I, I could answer without a computer program that if you wait till 70, you're going to get more benefit if you live long enough. Yes. yes. <laughs> that's another factor that you know, God doesn't tell us when that's going to be. So it's uh, that makes it another uh, variable that makes it really tough. And so you take into consideration things like your family history, your longevity, the genes that you have, and so forth. Those are all things to consider as well. We'll be back with the second part of Talking Money in just a few minutes. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust has four distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum, private wealth, everyday steward, family office, and the professional athlete division. The company's largest division, private wealth, is designed to provide financial guidance for clients with an investable net worth of $1 million or higher. Private wealth advisors can provide advice in many areas, including managing cash flow, growing assets while decreasing debt, overseeing investment portfolios, developing tax-efficient estate and strategic giving plans, and utilizing trust services if needed, all with the big picture in view. The private wealth division has 14 branch offices across the United States, including Greenville, for more information on Ronald Blue Trust branch offices and the advisors serving there, please visit www.ronblue.com. Now back to Talking Money. So glad you're with us. This is Mike Miller, your host. My special guest, Eddie Holland, CPA and Certified Financial Planner. We're talking Social Security. All right, so let's go to the phones. We have Jeff that's calling us uh, from here in Greenville. Good morning, Jeff. Welcome to Talking Money. Hi, Mike. Hi, Eddie. Good morning. Jeff Parker here. How, how are you, you? How you doing, Jeff? Doing well. Good, good. <laughs> so you had a question you posed to me a few weeks ago, and I thought, well, this is a good question for a Social Security topic we're going to be talking about anyway. So appreciate you calling in and, and rehashing that question and make sure we really get it, uh, get the question right, and we can follow up with any other questions, especially that Eddie might have, to make sure we give you the best advice that we can. So uh, go ahead and explain to us a little bit about your your Social Security situation. Yes, um, I'm coming up on 68. My wife is uh, has just turned 59. Uh, she has a pretty high income job, 
but are obviously we're about eight and a half years apart in age. Um, I have not uh, signed up for obviously Social Security or Medicare or anything else related to the federal government, but um, and kind of just thought I'd hold out till seventy. Uh, and I think the question to you was, is that a good idea or is there something I'm missing here? You always hear uh, folks saying, well, it's like 1,487 options, with those, <laughs> which I find hard to believe, but possible. So uh, I thought I'd go to the guys that know what they're uh, talking about. Yeah, I think uh, I've heard as many as, what, 10,000 options yeah, or something they said. That's the part that just <laughs> I can get on my soapbox and I won't because I know the listeners don't have time to listen to me just drone on and on about uh, my frustrations. But that's the reality, Jeff, is you have so many people that say there's so many claiming strategies. And what they're doing is I think they're trying to create confusion when confusion is not necessary. Social Security is confusing enough as it is. But the reality that there's a 1,000 or 10,000 or whatever number they throw out there is just completely misleading because what they essentially do is they take, take every month as a different claiming strategy. So you can start drawing as early as 62 well, then 62 in one month is another strategy. So they extrapolate that out. And then if you're married, your wife or husband has the same exact scenario. And so you're what you're doing is you're just compounding these scenarios. But the reality is that there's three basic strategies. You can claim on your own benefit. You can delay your own benefit. Or you can claim on someone else's benefit. Normally, that's a spouse, possibly an ex-spouse, or a parent, depending on a child's age. And so in your case, the question is, should I delay my Social Security until age 70, or should I begin drawing now? That's a multifaceted question. Obviously, your wife's age uh, and the fact that she's she's uh, had a high-income-paying job for a number of years is a huge factor. Normally, what we do with clients when we sit down and talk through Social Security claiming strategies is we talk first cash flow needs. If there's not a significant cash flow need right now, there may be a benefit in delaying until age 70. Not necessarily, but that's normally the first box we check. So in your case, I'm assuming there's not a significant cash flow need because you stated that you had planned to originally uh, delay until age 70. That's correct. And I one thing I did not mention is I am still gainfully employed. Uh, so it's not like, uh, well, self-employed. Uh, so it's not like we need the money. Okay. Um, so. Sure. Right. Good point. And that's actually a, a very good point because if you are younger than full retirement age, which in your case, full retirement age is age 66, so you're past that. But if you were younger than full retirement age and you were still working, you would be subject to the earnings limit. That earnings limit goes up every year for uh, 2020. That earnings limit is 18240 for anybody under their full retirement age. The year they turn full retirement age, that benefit amount or the earnings limit goes up to 48600 But once you reach full retirement age, that earnings limit goes away. So regardless of the income that you make, you're not subject to an earnings limit, so your Social Security benefit will not be reduced. However, in your case, because you're working and your wife's working, chances are you may be in a higher tax bracket than you will be in future years. That's another factor that we consider. What income tax bracket are you in now? What income tax bracket are you going to be in in the future? Maybe when you start drawing Social Security. Because the fact is you could start drawing Social Security now and Uncle Sam could get more of your Social Security benefit than he, than he may be able to get 
in future years. That's Keep, because it's included as taxable income. Yes, correct. It is included or, in taxable some income. Some portion of it is. Yeah. Correct. Up to 85% of Social Security benefits uh, is included in taxable income for the federal level. For the state level, the state of South Carolina does not tax Social Security benefits. So you'd be uh, free from tax from a state standpoint, but from a federal standpoint, the taxation implications very important to consider. The other factor, Jeff, that, that you brought up is the fact that in your case, your wife's benefit may be higher than your own benefit. So normally when we see a spread like this of uh, a, one spouse having a higher income and potentially a higher Social Security benefit than the other spouse, it may make sense for the spouse with a lower benefit to start drawing and for the spouse that has the higher benefit to, to, to delay. In your case, probably makes a little less sense because your wife, uh, statistically speaking, she will outlive you, not only because she's a female, but also because she's younger. So in her case, the idea of delaying the benefit for your sake is probably less applicable. What's her decision is really going to be based on what maximizes her benefit and then in, in conjunction with your benefit. So if his benefit is, if her benefits, theoretically, let's say, and, and you can check this, Jeff, you probably already have, um, being the astute guy that you are, so they would have, you find out whether or not her benefit is potentially going to be higher. So you would need to delay yours so that if, to get a higher benefit so that if you were to pass away first, which is likely, as Eddie just said, and, and I'll remind you again, uh, <laughs> that you have that money going to pass on to her because she, she's going to take the higher of the two. But if her benefit's already going to be higher, if something happened to you between now and the time she reached full retirement age, she would still have the benefit of your Social Security uh, payment. Mm-hmm. She could continue working and then and then delay hers till 70 and then take hers at the higher benefit, and she'd have maybe what's the best of both worlds. So that's why you know potentially, because you're only talking a couple of years here, Jeff, because you're 68 or almost 68, so you got a couple of years benefit. But that couple of years benefit, think about what could be done with that and if it's if hers is going to be higher anyway, there's less of a reason for you to do that. I think that's correct. Yeah, I would say there's less of a reason for you to delay for her benefit. That's not to say that you should start drawing now. There's like we talked about, there's other factors to consider. Another factor, Jeff, that we've helped clients with, if there are cash flow, uh, if there are no cash flow needs, but there are future uh, goals that you're trying to achieve. So maybe you're trying to pay down debt f- at a faster rate. We've had some clients start drawing their Social Security benefit and dumping that towards their debt payment to try to get fully um, debt-free by the time they retire. So there's a, there's a lot of factors to consider when deciding when I should draw and when I should not. But I think in your case, the reality is that you're probably going to be drawing your benefit, and it will affect, obviously, the joint income. But it's probably going to be for your benefit, for your lifetime. Your wife, when she starts drawing, she'll have to wait till full retirement age if uh, she's making over a certain limit. So if she continues to work, she's going to be subject to the earnings limit until she reaches full retirement age. But there may be a decision that she may have of saying, okay, if I start drawing it early, I'm going to be subject to a redu- reduction versus in your case, you're getting an 8% increase every year you delay past your full retirement age. So quite a few factors to consider. And one of the point I'll make, Jeff, is just because of, of knowing you and your your uh, successful history to investing. If you were to take that money and say, okay, well, I can, I can do at least that much or better by getting that money ahead of time and go ahead and investing that for the next couple of years. That's another thing you should be 
taking into consideration deciding whether to take it now or not. Does that answer your question, Jeff, or do you have another comment or give us some more feedback about that? Uh, yeah, that was very helpful. I would say that uh, you're asking about tax bracket situation. Uh, thankfully, um, because we're, our, our charitable deductions are so high um, and that we're fully funding Nancy's uh, 403B um, uh, program at the hospital plus the, the catch-up, uh, which right. obviously takes a huge chunk out sure. of the Sure, yeah, another five grand. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, it, it is driving. Oh, and we're fully funding a health savings account as well. All right, so, well, we got a break, yeah. Jeff. Hard, hate okay. to cut you off, but, uh, That's but right. uh, yeah, we'll we'll be back with uh, some more of this. But thanks for the call, Jeff, and hope that answers your You're question. We welcome. can talk later. All yeah. right, thanks. Okay, so thanks. we'll uh, get with Mike from Sparberg. We get back from this break. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. I am pleased to have Ronald Blue Trust as the sponsor of Talking Money. As a trust company with clients in all 50 states, Ronald Blue Trust can serve as trustee, backup trustee, or even personal representative, what we used to call the executor or executrix. This can be a valuable service, especially if you'd like to pass on your values and not just your valuables to your heirs. Your heirs will probably have one of two perspectives. Either they will say something like, what am I going to inherit, which is usually the common perspective, or they will ask, what is going to be entrusted to me? What talents will I be responsible to manage? Tim Kimmel, director of Family Matters, said it well, quote, you can't leave character to your trust account. You can't write your values into the will. You can't bank traits like courage, honesty, and compassion in a safe deposit box. What we need is a plan a long-term strategy to convey our convictions to the next generation, unquote. Estate and trust planning are about much more than saving taxes or simply making sure your assets get transferred efficiently to your children. You can find out more about Ron Blue Trust at ronblue.com, send an email to greenville at ronblue.com, or call the Greenville office at 864-233-7405 or 1-800-588-PLAN. That's 1-800-588-7405. 7526. Now back to Talking Money. And we're about 25 before the hour here on Talking Money. This is Mike Miller, your host for today with my special guest, Eddie Holland, CPA Certified Financial Planner. We work together at Ronald Blue Trust, formerly Plan First, right here in Greenville in the upstate. And I work with a lot of clients in the upstate, but all over the country, really, a lot of different areas. Uh, so Eddie's joining me to talk about Medicare and Social Security. Let's switch to Mike, who's calling us from Spartanburg and waiting patiently. Thanks for waiting so patiently, Mike. Welcome to Talking Money. Uh, thank you. Uh, I, I got a whole lot of questions when it comes to Social Security. Uh, I wanted to uh, ask this here. So the majority of retirees, begin collecting the Social Security before full retirement age. By doing so, it cuts the size of your monthly check pretty much, right? Yes, that's correct. If you if you uh, begin your Social Security benefit prior to your full retirement age, you are subject to a reduction. That reduction that is five-ninths of 1% on your own benefit for someone of full retirement age of 66. Five-ninths of 1%. For the first 36 months and five per, per, month. per, per month. month per month five nights of one percent per month for the first 36 months and five twelfths of one percent for each additional month after that so for somebody with 
before retirement age of 66. They take it at 62. They're subject to a 25% reduction. Or even that's 30%, right? It's 30% if your full retirement age is 67. So, yes, that's correct. Right. Well, I'm really confused because uh, retirement age uh, is 65, and you can get it at 62. But there again, uh, if you wait until your full benefits kick in, it might be at 67. So I guess you you have to find out, you know, when your full benefits kick in. Yeah, so your full benefit is going to be based on the year that you were born. For someone born 1954 or earlier, the full retirement age is 66. Someone born in 1960 or later, the full retirement age is 67. And for anyone born in between those periods, so 1955 through 1959, it's 66 years and a couple of months in increments. So 50, uh, 1955 would be 66 in two months. 1956, 66, and four months, so on and so forth. And, and I think you bring up a good point, Mike, and this is one of the factors that um, sometimes is unavoidable. But you're exactly right. When you're referencing um, retirement age being 65, from a Medicare standpoint, that's when you're eligible to enroll in Medicare. You're eligible to start drawing Social Security benefits as early as age 62. But then what uh, the Social Security Administration has done really through Congress is they've extended the full retirement age past age 65. So it used to be age 65, and now they've extended it in hopes of really um, prolonging the viability of Social Security from a financial standpoint. And so what's happened is as people have lived longer, as uh, the marvels of modern medicine have extended the quantity of someone's life, not necessarily the quality, but the quantity of someone's life, there have had to been some revisions made in the Social Security rules that hopefully extends the benefit for multiple generations. And people are living longer, so it really made sense, too. And so people are going to be getting benefits for a longer period of time, even if they wait till 67, than than years ago when you retired at 65, and that was your full retirement age for Social Security. So it made sense to just solidify that the base and the the financial strength of social security to make sure it's going to be there for all the younger people too so uh, so you have another question about that mike yes yes but the sad reality is this right here uh so uh really social security belongs to the person who's paid into social security it really does belong to that person but uh social security are still ious and right now we have this virus going on and the economy is shutting down and how people actually get paid for a Social Security go is people out there that's working, that's distributing, um, what's the word for it, that's putting into Social Security so Social Security can be paid. Are we ever going to get to the place where people are paying their Social Security? It's going to be theirs and not the government. Is there any way to privatize it? Is there anything? Yeah, I, I think that uh, was certainly a, a buzzy topic uh, many years ago, Mike. There was uh, really kind of a groundswell uh, effort uh, and momentum that was created to really privatize Social Security. I have not heard that topic discussed nearly as frequently over the last several years, but I think there's certainly a, a subset of the population not exactly sure how much that would welcome that. And so I think that remains to be seen, but I, I think you – you, uh, you do bring up a point that has been discussed in, in years past. And and so uh, that, that I think that should really be concern, concerning 
uh, for people that have paid into Social Security. Uh, yeah, so there's what, a... There's a whole different question about that, Mike, and and you bring up a good point. That and I think that if you privatized it a long time ago, and and I still think there'd be a, a viable way to do that if we could ever go that direction. Uh, but but you don't want the the government to change it from a pay-as-you-go system to one where you set your money aside and the government keeps it and sets aside like an account for you, and then when you get to retirement, they start paying from your account. Because if we started doing that, then the government's going to amass a whole lot of money that they probably would borrow against, For first off. And then they would, if, if not, then they would have to start investing that money. If they start investing that massive amount of money in the U.S. stock market or even foreign stock markets, then they're going to be too much control from the government on how to vote shares and those kind of things. So if it's going to go to, to the where it's market-based, then it does need to go back to each individual person having their own account. But the, it just seems like the odds of that are, are, are very low that, that that's going to happen at this stage. It's almost like we're too far into it for that to happen. So uh, anyway, it, it's a nice thought and, and uh, would be great if something like that, some version of that could happen. But, um, you know, it's not not too likely. So uh, what's well, your I, what's your final question, Mike? Yeah, I have one more question. Now, as you get older, and I, I don't know what the stats are out there, as you get older, these employers may say, "Hey, you're not productive enough. We don't, we don't need you. you you're getting up there in age. I mean, you, you think about it. Uh, so, what happens there when it gets hard to get a job? Well, the, right now, I mean, yeah, getting uh, the job. I mean, that's that's something that's been there forever. I, I don't think that's a social security issue. People, employers have always had that." That option, if, if somebody gets to that age and they have not proven their worth by their experience, that they're, they're, even though they're getting paid more than somebody younger, that their experience makes them worth it, then the employer has every right to say, yeah, I don't want you anymore. So it, it still, um, bears noting that you need to, to make sure that you are valuable to that employer, no matter what age you are. The government shouldn't come in and tell you that you need to, Required to keep somebody working. That's, that's the union's job. And so I think most of us in South Carolina already know that we don't want to go that route. Uh, so anyway, does that answer your question, Mike? Well, yeah. Well, I know there's some discrimination, uh, you know, uh, that protects older people also, but, uh, yeah, I, I guess that would answer the question and I'll, I'll just get back. Would you think okay. I'm uh, uh, good to hear, good to hear the program? All right, Mike. Thanks for the call. All right. Have a great weekend. Okay, so had a follow-up question from uh, Jeff. I think he answered this question last week about Medicare. Can you still do HSA if on Medicare Part A? That was something we covered last week. It was something we covered last week, but it never hurts to just have a refresher. So the question is, can I contribute to my HSA, my health savings account, while on Medicare? And the answer is no. Once you enroll in Medicare Part A or Part B, then you're ineligible to um, make a contribution into an HSA. There's also another caveat. Once you are past your 65th birthday, if you have opted out of Medicare, if you have not enrolled in Medicare Part A and Part B, then you are eligible to continue to contribute to an HSA as long as you meet the other requirements. But there is a six-month look-back period. So in Jeff's case, if he's coming up on age 68, let's say that he were to start going on Medicare, let's say, in the next two months. He would have had to have stopped his HSA contributions six months prior to enrolling in Medicare because there's a six-month look-back period. Now, Mike, you and I talked about last week the fact that I had read an article 
where one of um, one of the so-called experts in Medicare planning stated mm-hmm. that you could opt out of that six-month look-back. So when you enroll in Medicare, then um, you can ask the Social Security Administration to opt out of the six-month look-back. And Jeff could be our guinea pig. I told everybody that I did not know if that was true or not. So if, if, uh, if Jeff is feeling courageous, if he wants to, uh, when he does apply for Medicare Part A and Part B, if he wants to uh, try to opt out and then report back to us, That'd be very good, useful information. I'm sure our listeners would appreciate him. All right. So we're talking Social Security. When we come back from the break, we'll continue to talk that and answer your question. Of course, if you have additional questions even after the show or you'd like to learn more about any topics we cover on Talking Money or especially the program today, of course, you could reach out to your financial advisor. We do believe it's very important to work with an advisor who shares your values and your biblical worldview. So for more information about that, you can call Ronald Blue Trust Greenville office. That's us, 800-588-7526. That's the local number. Or you can send an email to greenville at ronblue.com. So the local number for Ronald Blue Trust Greenville office, 800-588-7526. Or email a question to greenville at ronblue.com. All right, so we'll be back with the rest of Talking Money in just a few minutes. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust is a company with a vision to see individuals and families practicing biblical stewardship and experiencing freedom from economic fear, bondage, and conflict. They want their clients and their families to enjoy debt-free living, free to answer the call to ministry or whatever their passion is, feeling at peace with their investments and the way they are being professionally managed to help accomplish their financial objectives so they can focus on other aspects of their lives and help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. As a trust company, Ronald Blue Trust Advisors come alongside the next generation to help transfer your values and help you leave your lasting legacy. If you're a business owner, the Business Consulting Division can help you define your company's culture and, very importantly, then help convey that culture to the next generation of leaders in your company. Find out more about Ronald Blue Trust at ronblue.com Send an email to greenville at ronblue.com or call the Greenville office at 864-233-7405 or 1-800-588-7526. That's 1-800-588-7526. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. We have about 10 minutes left in the program today. We did have a text question that came in for, for my expert, Eddie Holland, with us today. The texter says, I took my Social Security distribution last year at age 62. Can my wife receive half my benefit at her age 62, or does she have to take her Social Security distribution? If she can take half of my benefit, can she switch to her distribution at age 65? And then he gave us the Bible verse, uh, Titus 2, 11 to 13, which... Uh, my my uh, Bible memorization has not been that good to know what that is, but I think you were going to look it up. <laughs> say, uh, oh, yeah, for the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. Okay, this is going to be a good verse for everyone. Bringing, uh, and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. Well, we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. Oh, how about that? That's that's a good uh, verse for any day. So um, not directly to Social Security, but I think that's probably a verse he puts on a lot of things like that, which is a good uh, good favorite passage. Okay, so Eddie, answer the question. So the question is, he took his benefit at age 62. Can his wife receive half of his benefit at her age 62? 
or does she have to take her own benefit? And the answer is she has to take her own benefit because she is not full retirement age. Anytime you start drawing Social Security prior to your full retirement age, then you are forced to take the higher of either your benefit or a spouse's benefit. So in this case, let's just put some numbers to it. Let's say that his benefit was 2000 Let's say that his, his full retirement age benefit is 2000 Let's say that his wife's benefit is 1500 She has to take her benefit because it's more than half of his. Now, there was something called a restricted claim, and that uh, ship has sailed for anyone that did not turn 66 by the first day of the year. So for all intents and purposes, anybody who was not 66 by the beginning of this year, January 1st of this year or end of last year, then you're not eligible to restrict your claim to spousal only once you reach full retirement age benefit. So really they've they've taken quite a few strategies, and when I say they, Congress has taken quite yeah. a few strategies off the table. So in this case, uh, this gentleman started his benefit. His wife would have to take her own benefit because she's younger than full retirement age, not eligible for a restricted claim. All right, very good. All right, so let's go back and just rehash a little bit. We we mentioned, uh, discussed some of the factors to consider before fi- even filing for Social Security benefits, and this, of course, what you just answered with his question is is part of that as well. Uh, there are some other things here I think m- m- you could mention just to make sure people are on the are the right page here. Yeah, so there's, there's quite a few factors, and this is one of the things that brings us back to uh, the beginning of the program of talking about there's, uh, there's this tactic of saying there's so many claiming strategies, so you need to have this free analysis done to determine which uh, benefit strategy is going to maximize. And that looks at just your benefit. It doesn't look at your net wealth. And I jokingly told Mike uh, during one of the, the uh, breaks here that uh, what I would be interested to hear is somebody that claims that there's over a 1,000 strategies, just ask them to name 50. Ask them to name 20. I think 20. Yeah, yeah I, I think, I think, yeah. I think at that point that. it would it – would, uh, be a bit of a deer in the headlights, but well, it reveal what they're what they're really trying to do. Sure, uh-huh. sure. Uh, so some of the factors to consider when taking Social Security benefits, obviously your retirement age. If you're taking benefits prior to full retirement age, you're going to be subject to an earnings limit. We covered that earlier in the program. Cash flow needs and current income. We talked about that with Jeff's scenario. If there's not a cash flow need, you may consider delaying your benefit to a later point. But depending on what your current income is, you could be in a higher tax bracket now compared to where you may be in the future. So you may consider delaying your benefit to become uh, eligible for a higher benefit, not through not only through delaying, but also through the the uh, impact of, of taxes being less. I get this question all the time, and it, it obviously is very understandable. But people want to know what's the break even analysis? What's what yeah. maximizes my benefit? And on average, the. The break-even is late 70s or early 80s, but that really gets back to what we talked about earlier, Mike. And depending on the situation, this is why it's so case-specific. Some people may have a lot of cash just in a checking account or savings account, and so maybe they're not earning a lot of interest. Others may be having money in an IRA, and so they're having to pull money out and pay tax on it at that applicable tax rate. So it could potentially reduce the amount of right. assets for future purposes. And mm-hmm. so there's quite a few factors to consider. So that break-even analysis, that's why I hesitate to run that analysis because it's just looking at Social Security in a vacuum. That's why you really want it to be more of a net wealth accumulation and net wealth yeah. maximization, not just Social Security so maximization. We, we do the analysis for our clients, so don't misunderstand. Yes, we do analysis, but we also take into consideration these other factors, not just put the stuff in the computer, and or those ours is a 
a pretty sophisticated, robust analysis system, but it still is not going to answer all these questions, especially the question like, when are you going to die? Yes. It, it, that is not in there. It is not. <laughs> and if you have a divine premonition of when you're going to die, then that would be extremely helpful when we run our analysis. Uh, unfortunately, we don't know that most of the time anyway, and so we have to base it on other factors. Another factor to consider is inheritance or legacy goals. We have some clients right. who want to pass a specific amount to their child or children. Maybe the child is in a low-income job, but maybe it's a, a service-oriented job. I think teachers is a great example right now. I think the nation has taken note of how thankful for we are for <laughs> teachers when the kids are actually in school most of the time. Well, they're at home now with parents, and so parents are probably, in, in my case specifically, we're, we're very thankful for the, the teachers. Um, but that that may be a situation where a parent may want to actually provide uh, an inheritance or legacy goal. So what they may do is take Social Security early to take pressure off their portfolio because you can't pass Social Security benefits to a child normally once they've aged out, but you may be able to uh, pass on IRAs or other assets. One of the other factors to consider, beneficiaries. When you draw your benefit, you may open the door for other benefits, maybe a spousal benefit. Maybe a child benefit. So we've had uh, situations in the past where a, a client has drawn a benefit. It's opened the, bene- the uh, door, so to speak, for a spousal benefit or even a child benefit. And we've talked about that on previous yeah. uh, sessions, and we won't have time to go into a lot of details. But if you want to, TalkingMoneyRadio.com, you can go back and, and listen to prior broadcasts where we've talked about children's benefit. But I did want to, and I know we're coming up. Uh, on, on the top of the hour, so we've got just a couple of minutes. But I did want to mention one thing, and this was one thing that we have not covered in the past, okay. so I wanted to talk about. Fresh, hot off the press. Yes, exactly. We okay. actually, Sherry White actually had this question. She asked me a couple of weeks ago. She said, can a grandchild be eligible for a benefit off of a grandparent's record? Ah. Okay. So the question was, can I, can I, can my grandchild be eligible? And the answer is it depends. Of course. <laughs> Absolutely. As any uh, good government system, it depends. Biological parents of that child must be deceased or disabled, or the grandparent must legally adopt the grandchild for the grandchild to be eligible for benefits off the grandparent's record. The grandchild must have been living with the grandparent before age 18, and they must have received at least half the support from the grandparent the year before the month the grandparent became entitled to Social Security. So it's very convoluted, pretty pretty detailed. But it, it also needs to be pointed out, natural parents must not be making regular contributions of support. And so if there are special rules that, that may apply if a grandchild was born during this one-year period. So there's this one-year period where they had to be receiving support from the grandparent to be eligible for a benefit as a grandchild. There's some exceptions Quite a bit of, of uncertainty. So I just wanted to point out that if you are a grandparent and you're drawing Social Security benefits and you have a grandchild that you're in custody of providing support for, you may be eligible to apply for a benefit for that child as long as they meet certain guidelines and criteria. Okay. Another topic we have covered on previous radio programs, and there again, TalkingMoneyRadio.com, if you want to hear even more Social Security information. Eddie's been on a number of times, so you can just type in Social Security, and it'll come up with the shows that we've talked about that on. So Rick, quickly, we got about a minute or so uh, divorced. I know that's that's a, a key factor for a lot of people, just high level. Is somebody eligible off their divorced spouse's benefit? Potentially. So if you're 
uh, a divorced spouse, uh, the marriage had to have lasted 10 years or longer, even if your ex-spouse is remarried. Now, if you've remarried, then you, you're not eligible unless you're drawing off of an ex-spouse's benefit from a survivor standpoint. If right. you were a survivor... To see, you're a widow. Or because, a widow so if you're a widow or widower from an ex, then you may yeah. be eligible for a benefit, but you're, you would have to have married after the age of 60. Yeah. So the marriage had to last 10 years or longer, even if your ex-spouse is remarried. If the, your ex-spouse is still living, you have to be unmarried. Yeah. If your ex-spouse has passed away, you could be eligible for a survivor yeah. benefit as long as the marriage, if you remarried after age of 60. And I think a key is there, it doesn't matter if this, if your exes filed or not filed, you can still, you know, they, they've uh, figured out a way to, to not have to worry about that. All right, we are out of time with Talking Money, so thanks for joining us today. 800-588-7526. Call us at the office if you have another question. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week for the next Talking Money.